Praise the Lord. How many of you are ready for the word this morning? Yeah, praise God. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're just so excited to be in your presence. Lord, in you we live and move and have our being. God, we're not here to struggle with you. We're not here to struggle with the word of God. But Lord, we receive the word with meekness. For we know that only your word can save our souls. Heavenly Father, I just commend myself to you right now. I ask that your spirit will lead and guide and help me this morning as I bring your word to your people. Let the spirit of God be prevalent in this place. Let everybody, every man and woman, experience revelation today that will bring them into a closer relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, last week we started talking about marriage. We talked about love and tenderness. And um, I had a lot of feedback from last week's message. You know, I thank God for that. You know, the Bible says that um, it is not the hearer of the word that is blessed, but it is the doer of the word that is blessed. You know, a lot of people desire God's joy in their marriage. But you know, you can only experience the result of the word when you actually obey the word. Everyone say, obey the word. There's a story in the book of Kings about a Syrian general called Naaman. Naaman was very powerful, but he had a secret. And Naaman was a leper. He had an incurable disease and he didn't know how to solve the problem, but he had somebody who worked for him in his house, a slave, who said, Naaman, if you will go to Israel and see the prophet Elisha, you will be healed of this disease. Now, Naaman obeyed this lady, went to um, Elisha, and even before Elisha saw him, he sent word to Naaman and said, go and wash in the Jordan seven times. And, you know, because the instruction was so unexpected, Naaman was very angry because he said, you know, I'm coming from a nation that has, I mean, bigger seas and cleaner uh, rivers. Why in the world will I go and dip myself in the Jordan? And his servants instructed him and said, Naaman, or they advised him and said, Naaman, uh, if this guy had given you something very difficult, you would have done it. Why don't you just obey the word of the Lord. You know, sometimes in looking for the spectacular, we miss the supernatural. Yeah, we gave out five or six tasks last week. I'm not going to ask with a show of hands how many people actually fulfilled it. But you know, when you just obey the word, yeah, I mean, you might be saying to yourself, what difference is this going to make in my life? Just obey the word. You know, sometimes you can look at a tree that looks horrible. And you think, you know, I hate this tree. There's nothing good that can come out of this tree. I hate the way the tree looks. I hate the way the leaves fall. I hate the fruit on the tree. And sometimes it looks so impossible to change your result that you think, you know, let me just cut this tree down and forget about it. But how many of you know that the biggest tree on earth started from a seed, didn't it? And you can change a tree by changing the seed. If you change what you plant, you will have a different result. So what we are doing, if you want to have joy in marriage, 
you want to start planting the right seeds today. And some of the tasks we gave last week. Compliment, don't criticize. We talked about that last week, didn't we? I've already received from feedback from that about how difficult it was for some of us to carry that out this week. That's okay. Just because it doesn't feel normal does not mean it's not the right thing to do. You are planting a seed. You want to change your tree? You need to plant the seed. You're not going to have a fruit next week, no. You're just going to need to keep planting the seeds. What was task number two? We had the open door policy, didn't we? All right? And we talked about men being a little bit more courteous to their wives. Yeah? We talked about the wives sacking their chef for a day. Hallelujah. We're talking about wild, wild in the bedroom, didn't we? I had some feedback on that one. You'll be amazed at things I hear as pastor. Some great feedback on that one. We talked about giving a gift. Yeah, the 5,000 naira got me into trouble with a lot of women. Um, and we talked about having a fresh breath. Right? It's important that you keep planting the seeds. But you know, last week was one side of the coin. This week, we're going to look at a different side of the coin as we talk about love and tenderness. I have given this message the subtitle, Breaking the Cycle of Pain in Marriage. Breaking the Cycle of Pain in Marriage. Let us open our Bibles to the book of Titus chapter 2. I'm going to start there this morning. That's our text scripture. The Bible says we should be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. You know, last week we talked about the love of God. How many of you can remember the Greek word for love? It's the word agape, isn't it? The love of God. And, and we said it is not self-centered. Agape is self-given. It seeks the other person's highest good. It puts the other person before ourselves. We need to practice that as husbands and wives. It's not just about you. It's about serving the other person. But today we're going to look at a different side of the coin. Titus chapter 2, verse 3. It says, The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, to be chaste, to be homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. It says that the older women should teach the younger women how to love their husbands. You know, one translation puts it this way. It says that the older women should train the younger women, how to love their husbands. You know, the word love here is a different word in the Greek. It is not the word agape. Yes, there is agape in marriage where you are self-given, where you seek the other person's highest good, where you let go of bitterness, of anger, of wrath, of clamor, where you are kind and tender-hearted toward your partner because you are expressing the person of God in your behavior. Because the Bible says God is love. 
And because you are born of God, you can express God to your partner by walking in agape towards them. But then there's another part of the coin here. The Bible says older women should teach or train younger women how to love their husbands. The word love here comes from the Greek word phileo. Phileo speaks of how to be affectionate to your husband. How to be affectionate to your husband. How to treat your husband. There is a way wives ought to treat their husbands in order to have a happy marriage. There is a way that husbands ought to treat their wives in order to have a happy marriage. It is not just about, hey, just, you know, whatever I do, it doesn't matter, just walk in love towards me. Yes, there is that aspect. But when God orchestrated marriage, he put it together in order for both your desires to be met under his authority. So he says that older women should train younger women. You know, the word train speaks about teaching and practice. It is not just teaching or instruction. It is training. You know, when you go through training, some of the things that you go through may not come naturally. Are you with me this morning? You know, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says that we shall train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. It says, train a child. That means that when the child is born and is growing up, the things that the child needs in order to be effective and productive do not necessarily come naturally. Everybody here. You need to train your child. It means that you teach them, but you also instruct them by behavior. It is not something that will just happen all of a sudden. There needs to be constant repetition in order for them to inculcate that behavior into their lifestyle. You know, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 6, speaking about how to train our children, God gave instruction to Moses, which he gave to the children of Israel. He said the things, the word of God you have heard, teach your children diligently. He said, talk of them when you sit in your house. So when you are sitting at the dinner table, use the things that happen at dinner to instruct your children in the way of the Lord. You can talk to them, and when you say the blessing over lunch or over dinner, you could talk to them about those who have not, and say a prayer for those who don't have. It says, when you sit at the table, instruct them. When you walk by the way, instruct them. When you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. That is because it takes time to train a child to inculcate into their behavior the pattern of life that they need to have in order to be successful. We need to train our children. Young women need to be trained on how to be affectionate to their husbands. Young men have to be trained on how to love their wives properly. Without that training, 
We set ourselves up for pain in marriage. Now, some of the training that we were not given, we have to learn now. If we want to be happy. Alright? It says, old women should train the young women on how to love their husbands. The problem we have now is that some of the old women don't know. I kid you not as I'm saying this. I've seen the way some old women treat their husbands. They don't know. I'm not going to send anyone to them for counseling. Some of the old men don't know. So how are they going to be trained? Young boys are meant to be trained on how to be boys, on how to be men, and how to be husbands. Young ladies are meant to be trained on how to be girls, how to be women, and how to be wives. You know, many, many years ago, civilization drew its root from the word of God. You know, when you read the history, say, of the U.S. and the guys that got off the Mayflower, they were all Christians, weren't they? Yeah? And then when they drew up the constitution of the U.S., the Bill of Rights, they were drawing up that constitution from a biblical foundation. Are you with me? So you can see that the development of that society began with the word of God. So when it came to how children were taught in school, it was very much in line with the standards of the word. But as society developed, and I say that in quotes, all right, and we felt, you know what, we can do things our own way, society began to move away from the standards of the word. And this is not just in the U.S., it's all over the world. Society began to move away farther and farther from the word of God. People came up with their own thinking. Training was now frowned upon. There was a new enlightenment, which is really darkness when you think about it. So rather than training people on how to be men and women, on how to be women and wives and husbands, we ask them, what do you think? What makes you feel good? So society moved away from the word, so we now had no standard. Because you know, training means that there is a standard, right? And whether I feel like it or not, I mean, training my, my son to use cutlery. It took a while. I mean, if I said, you know, son, just do whatever you feel like doing. I mean, there, there has to be a standard. All right? So that means that if there's no training, if we have no standard, then people get married without an understanding of how they are meant to do this thing. As wives and as husbands. And then desires and, uh, are not met there is unfulfillment, and then there is despair. The Bible speaking about children. You know, I'm going to be relating this to different applications. Proverbs 22 verse 15, it says, Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from them. That means that your little boy is foolish. There's a lot of foolishness in there. And it takes discipline and correction to put them on the right path. You can't just let them grow wild. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 13, it says, don't withhold correction from a child. If you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. That means that our lack of correction 
of our children is going to put them on a path of destruction. We need to train them. We need to show them the right way. We need to go back to the word to see what are the patterns of behavior a young boy needs to learn a young girl needs to learn and you need to train them while they're young you are setting them for joy in their future proverbs thirteen twenty three says that he who loves his child disciplines him promptly promptly you don't let him grow wild you know and that is why now when young men grow up and say you know what i am a homosexual Or I am a lesbian. I believe that it is because they have not been trained on how to be a boy or a girl. They have been allowed to grow wild. I believe that there is the nature of a boy, but you are nurtured into that role. I believe that there is a nature of a girl, but you are nurtured into that role through training. If you don't receive the right nurture... You will misunderstand certain feelings you have and you will consider them to be true. You know, there are some boys that dabbled into kissing other boys when they were in, when they were in boarding school. I don't know one, there are none of those boys here. There are some girls that dabbled into that when they were in boarding school. But then somebody instructed them that this is not the way to go. And they let go of it and they train themselves on how to love the right sex. Just because you feel a certain way in your body does not mean it's the right feeling. And the feeling you have does not make it authentic. Are you with me this morning? So we're talking about the importance of training. But for there to be training, there must be a standard. So you and I have to go back to the word for the standard. So that means that as husbands and as wives, even though we may not have received the right training, if we want to receive the joy in marriage that the word of God promises, then we need to go back to the standard and start training ourselves to behave that way. It says the old women ought to teach, ought to train the young women. That means that for the young women, if they got married on their own without the training, it would not come naturally. For the men, it will not come naturally either. Now, before we get into this, I just want to establish some ground rules. Because I'm going to be shaking your hand after service. And you know, I know how it is when people have a grudge against pastor. It is very important to understand that men and women are equal before God. I want us to begin from that basis. You know, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 3 verse 28, it says, In Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave or free, there is neither male or female, for you are all what? One in Christ. Everyone say we are one in Christ. Yeah, look to a man next to you and say, I'm, I'm one in Christ with you. Look to a woman and say, we are one in Christ. Oh, come on, go look for a woman. We're one in Christ. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. We're all one before God. Look at 1 Peter 3, 7. I want us to see this. It says, husbands likewise dwell with them, that's their wives, with understanding. I want to say understanding. Giving honor 
to the wife as to the weaker vessel and has been heirs together, everyone say together, of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. It says live with your wife according to understanding. Live with her in understanding. Understanding of what? Understand that women are different from men. Live with an understanding of how to treat a woman. There is a way to treat a woman that a man, a husband needs to learn. You don't treat a woman like you treat a guy. As a matter of fact, in this particular verse, it says understand that you are heirs together of the grace of life. And if you mistreat that woman, your prayers will be affected. It will be hindered. Because the God that put you together sees how you are treating her and your prayers will be hindered as a result of your bad treatment. Understand that you are heirs together. You are on the same level before God. But it says, understand this. Number one, she is a weaker vessel. Now, what is a vessel? It's a container, isn't it? It says the woman is a weaker vessel. It didn't say she's weaker. She's a weaker vessel. She's more delicate than the guy. You are not meant to treat her like you treat the guys. You are not meant to shove her around like you shove the guys around. Are you with me this morning? She's a weaker vessel. But don't think because she is created in a tender way, therefore she's less than you are. No. Because God himself is going to resist you this year if you continue that way of behavior. She's a weaker vessel. She's more tender. And therefore she needs to be treated with tenderness. She is physically weaker, but she should not be denied her rightful honor. He says, treat her with honor. She has been put in a weaker vessel because God has destined that the role he has for her as a wife and as a woman is going to be best fulfilled in a tender vessel. Are you with me this morning? It's not because she's smaller than you. It's her vessel that is more tender. You need to treat her tenderly. You know, women, you are always meant to be feminine. I mean, I don't have a problem with, well, I do it actually, but don't lie on the pulpit. Don't lie anywhere for that matter. I mean, you know, women can be bodybuilders if they want, but you know, I don't, I'm not bent in that direction. Women can be fit if they want. But you don't want to give up your femininity for anything. Yeah, your destiny as a woman is going to be fulfilled in its highest expression with you being in a being tender, being feminine. There are women in the Bible that as a woman you should learn from. Let them be the older women that are training you on how to be a woman, how to be a wife, and how to be a mother. Training you on how to relate to your husband. Don't worry, I'm coming to the husbands in a minute. You know, one woman in the Bible is Esther. That you need to study. If, how many of you haven't done the Esther course yet? You need to do that. You need to study after this woman called Esther. Esther used her wisdom, her tact, and her femininity to win her husband, and save her people. You don't have to be a man to be effective. I remember one of my friends, 
a couple of them actually that worked for this company were telling me about this woman. I don't know whether to call her a woman anymore. And you know, sometimes I can understand why women feel that they have to become men in order to get ahead. But you know, two wrongs don't make a right. All right? So you now have in business women that have become something else because they feel that that's what they need to be. You don't need to be that. You don't need to be that. Because if you harden yourself in the office, guess what? The hardness is going to come into your home. You can't compartmentalize your life. Several people told me about this particular woman. She's in, you know, one of the companies somewhere in Lagos. And, you know, there was, a, there was this meeting that some of the guys were at where she was talking to some men. And she's, you know, she's in a, she's in a sort of high-powered position. And she was talking to all these men. And she, and she made the statement. She said, I mean, come on, guys. We're all men here. So we're all men here. That, that, is not, that is not Esther's type. You don't have to be that to be effective. And different people told me about this particular incident. Said after a while, all men here. Esther used her wisdom. She, she never let go of her femininity. How did she get into that position in the first place? Her predecessor, Vashti, who was the queen, she didn't know how to deal with her husband. Her husband called for her. And she refused to come to her husband. And basically, she undermined him in public. And you know, because she undermined him in public, her husband felt, you know, I need to do something. I mean, after he made the decision that, you know, I'm going to get rid of her, he felt a bit guilty for doing that. But he felt, you know, I mean, how can this woman undermine me in public? So as a result, he got rid of that woman called Vashti. As a wife... Never put your husband down in public. Husbands, don't put your wife down in public either. But the way, the way men are wired, you don't want to do that. You're not treating him well. I mean, I've heard some women here, how they talk to their husbands in public. You are not loving your husband. I am not saying that, you know, you shouldn't speak up. But don't do it in public. He's going to feel undermined. And there's something in a man that feels, you know, I have to react. It's just the way it is. You don't want to do it. You want to have a chat afterwards. I mean, I've had women correct their husbands in the front of others about redundant things. He says, oh, last week I was wearing a white shirt and we're going to... She said, no, 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 hang on. It wasn't white, it was pink. And I'm looking at this woman and thinking... Like, hello? Esther used her tact and her wisdom. Look at how she put this thing into play. Uh, Haman had you know, made a decision to annihilate the Jews and the king had actually signed to it. And Esther said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to invite the king and Haman to a feast. You know, that tells me about when to bring up controversial issues. We're talking about training here. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Because I'm feeling it already. The aggression is mounting. <laughs> He said, hey, let's, let's go out for a meal. And she made this wonderful meal. Maybe the cook made it. Anyway, the meal was made. And he ate and he was excited. He said, man, what do you want? I'll give you half my kingdom. She said, are you available tomorrow for another meal? We're talking about tact, the power of tact that finds its greatest expression in a woman. The next day, she did the same thing. And then when she was going to bring up the issue, 
She didn't say, look at what this guy has done. How could you allow this man to do this to my people? She said, king, I am about to be destroyed. Save me from the destruction that is upon me. And the man got up and said, what? I mean, who dares? I mean, who, how, who is the person? This after two lovely meals. And after she spoke in a way that called for his strength. You know, we need to read Greek mythology. We need to read all these books. Men have fought wars because of women. Wars have always been fought because of women that have known how to call on the strength of a man. A man will lay down his strength for you. If you know how to call for that strength. Esther called for the strength of her husband and her husband came to her defense. Her strength was expressed through her femininity. Deborah was another woman. In the book of Judges chapter 4. Look at Judges 4. Deborah was a strong woman. We're talking about the virtues of a woman that need to be developed and would help her to be effective in loving her husband. There's tact, there's femininity. Look at Judges chapter 4, verse 4. Deborah was a very powerful woman. But what was her strength? Judges 4, verse 4. It says, now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She was a leader. And she would sit on the palm tree of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim. And the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. Then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and destroy, deploy the troops at Mount Tabor? Take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali, of the sons of Zebulun, I'll deploy Sisera, and the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariot and his multitude at the river Kishon. And I'll deliver him into your hand. And Barak said, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Now, this was a prophet. And she had a great power of intuition. You know, I believe that women have a stronger power of intuition than men. I mean, I have learned that from experience after 15 years of marriage. They have a a shopper. You know, women need to spend more time. Men need to do it as well. Let's balance this out. But you know, your power as a woman is going to be expressed in its most powerful way if you are a woman that learns to spend time with God and walk in the power of your intuition. You know, I believe that in a board meeting as a woman, you don't have to shout very loud to be heard. If people see the power of God in your life and they know that wisdom is in your mouth, they will be quiet to listen to what you have to say. Deborah developed her ability to be able to hear God. And kings came to her, I will not go to battle without her. She developed her power of intuition. Another woman in the Bible that we need to learn from, and that's the woman called Abigail. Everyone knows the woman Abigail, don't we? She was a woman that married a man called Nabal who was a fool. And you know, it is possible for a woman to marry a fool. But Abigail used her tact and wisdom to deliver herself from that foolhardy situation. If she hadn't delivered herself, she and her husband would have both been killed. But she used her tact 
and diplomacy. I believe that that is a very strong power that a woman has. You know, I asked myself one question when I read the book of the story of Abigail. How did Abigail ever end up with a man like Nabal? Now, I believe that that happened because of a common mistake that a lot of women make. You know, Nabal was actually the descendant of Caleb. How many of you know Caleb? Just because the boy comes from a good family. She probably thought, you know, hey, it's Caleb's son, so everything must be okay. I mean, after all, Caleb was one of the two that, you know, after 40 years, he still survived in the wilderness. Just because he comes from a good family and has a good name, does not mean he's a good man. All right? Uh, This is just by the way. All right? But Abigail learned how to use her wisdom and her tact to save her life. Look at Ruth. Ruth also is another example of a woman that you need to study after. Ruth was the woman that called on the strength of Boaz. And as a result of that, her life was changed. It's an incredible book, the book of Ruth. And as a result of her femininity and her tact, she placed herself in the ancestry of Christ. What am I saying? I am saying that as a woman, to be effective in marriage, the Bible says, you need to learn how to be affectionate to your husband. There is a way to treat a man with tact, with femininity, and when you do that with the intuition of the Holy Spirit, when you do that, you will put yourself in your husband's good books. But the opposite is also true. There is a way men ought to treat women. Now, I've got a boy. Zayn is all boy. Zayn is seven. I've got an elder sister and a young sister. So, Kiona is nine. And Zoella is five. I can imagine how it is in my house. I like the fact that I've got a boy between two girls. Because uh, he's well educated on how to deal with women for instance you know a few days ago zoella the youngest one came to me and said dad i have a problem i said what's the problem she said zane would not respond to my love i said what do you mean she said well i said to zane that i love him and he wouldn't say he loves me back and she made this card it had about 21 um, hearts on the card she said i gave zane the card And he wouldn't say he loved me back. I gave him 21 hearts, hearts, dad. So I like that about my boy, that he's between two girls. So I called Zane up and I said, you know, Zane, I mean, you need to learn to respond to your sister. You need to, you know, hug her and kiss her. So we enacted a rule at home that anyone that goes past Zane must hug him and kiss him so that he learns how to kiss. It's an important rule. However, there is something about a boy you know, unfortunately, because it's between two girls, Zane runs away from cockroaches. This is between you and I, by the way. You know, there was something that happened in London a few years ago, and we watched this on the news. There was a woman that was getting raped on the tube, and there were people in that carriage. The woman was getting raped on the tube, and everyone, because they were afraid of what would happen if they got involved, they stayed back. And there were men there. But because it was a gang of of boys, they said, you know, let's not... So when the tube stopped at the station, they got out and went to the the other carriage. And this woman was raped. Now, 
Our sons need to be trained on what it, needs, what it means to be a man, a boy. A boy needs to be full of courage and strength. You know, for instance, my boy, I'm going to take him out of the girls and throw him somewhere for a while. I haven't told his mother yet. This is the information. Yeah? Because there is something about the strength of a man. You know, the Bible says, look at 1 Corinthians 11.3. It says, but I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. I want you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is the man. And the head of Christ is God. Look at the Message Bible translation. I believe that it brings more clarity to this. It says, in a marriage relationship, there is authority from Christ to husband and from husband to wife. The authority of Christ is the authority of God. Now, even though we are equal before God and heirs together of the grace of life, We have different roles and responsibilities in marriage. The Bible says that in a home, the authority, under the authority of God is Christ, under the authority of Christ is the husband, and under the authority of the husband is the wife. Now, what does that mean? The reason why God has made the husband the head of the home under his lordship, is for the husband to cover or to protect his wife. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, where we want to start talking a little bit about how men are meant to treat their wives. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, look at verse 23. It says, the New Kingdom's Version, I'll start from verse, um, verse 21. It says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is what? The head of the wife as also, everyone say as also, as also Christ is the head of of the church. Now if you want to understand how the husband is meant to be the head of his wife, you can only understand it when you understand how Christ is head to the church. Because that's the pattern we're following, isn't it? How did Christ become head of the church? Look at verse 25 of the same chapter. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself for her. Everyone say Christ became head of the church. By giving himself as a sacrifice for the church. The way the husband exercises his headship over his wife. Is by being the protector of that weaker vessel. Is by loving his wife and being tender to his wife as Christ loved and is tender to the church. That is how husbands are meant to treat their wives. 
And you know, we need to start training our boys from a young age. We need to start training our boys to find their strength, their courage. You know, everyone's heard that story about um, a guy who had continuous nightmares at night. And he always had this same nightmare, this recurring nightmare of being chased by a lion every night. You know, who who go to bed and a lion is chasing him. And just before the lion divorced him, he wakes up. So he goes to his pastor and says, Pastor, I've been having this nightmare. I need deliverance. So the pastor said, what's the problem? He says, well, every time I go to bed and I have this dream, the lion is chasing me. Before he kills me, I wake up. So the pastor said, okay, before he kills you the next time, just stop and ask him the question. Say, lion, why are you chasing me? So, of course, he went to bed that night and exactly the same thing happened at the same time. This lion, this ferocious lion is in front and starts chasing him. And before he, you know, he gets consumed, he remembers what the pastor said. So he stopped and spoke to the lion and said, lion, why are you chasing me? And the lion said, I am your strength. Why are you running away from me? (laughs) Yeah. So we need to train our boys how to find their strength. I believe every boy needs to know how to fight. Okay, I believe it. Absolutely. I believe every boy needs to find his strength. When Jesus said that you should turn the other cheek, he didn't mean turn it because you don't know how to defend yourself. He meant you should turn the cheek because you have found your strength and you have chosen this battle. I'm not going to fight this battle. It's not because you are a wimp. Our boys need to be taught how to find their strength. And then when they find their strength, You need to teach them how to lend their strength to the protection of others, especially women. We need to train our boys on how to lend their strength to others. Find your strength, but lend your strength to others. You know, the greatest expression of the strength of a man is to be the protection of his wife. That is the greatest expression of the strength of a man. You know, Jesus demonstrated that. He said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who though he had all this great power and this great glory, he put all those aside to serve our interests. The man that puts the interests of his wife and family beyond his own interests is a man that is truly becoming the head of his home. That is what it means to be the head of your home. He says, husbands, love your wives. As Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he may present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. You know, Jesus didn't criticize the church for having a spot or wrinkle. He did something about it. Do you notice, you know, people read this verse and they say, well, Jesus is coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. That is not true. The Bible says that he presented the church to himself without spot or wrinkle by going to die for the church. He's not there criticizing the church. No, he actually provided the solution rather than the criticism. Men, the women know what their weaknesses are. They don't need your criticism. They need you to help them. The Bible says in verse 28, it says, So husbands... This is the way husbands need to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one hates his own flesh, but nourishes. Everyone say nourishes. And cherishes. Everyone say cherishes. Just like the Lord does the church. This is the pattern that Jesus has made for us. 
Jesus loves the church. The way he loves the church is by what? Nourishing and what? Cherishing it. Cherishing means that he takes care of it. Nourishing means that he gives the church what the church needs to flourish. You need to give your wife what she needs to flourish. That is how you are being the head of the home. You know, when we spoke last week, one of the feedback I got was, Pastor, we need to tell the husbands that we need, uh, we need some quality time as well. That's, that's what nourishes us. The sex is for him, but the nourishment is for, the quality time is for us. I'm just, I'm just expressing the feedback I got. All right? He said, I, want, I need quality time. We need to know what nourishes your wife. What makes her feel special? That is what the Bible says that Jesus does for the church. He gives the church what it needs to cause it to flourish. What is your wife's love language? What is your husband's language of love? What is it? Have you learned it? And if you have learned it, are you giving her what she needs to cause her to flourish? Ladies and gentlemen, if we do what the Bible teaches, we will enjoy the blessing that the Bible teaches. It says wives need to learn how to treat their husbands and how to be affectionate to their husbands. You know, I believe that, um, and I'm going to end with this. I believe that as parents, because I'm a parent now, and yes, I'm working on my marriage and learning the patterns of the word of God. But you know, as parents, we need to recognize that, you know what, we are setting up the next generation. How are our children going to turn out? Our children are going to turn out based on the training that we give them. Do you know that? Now, what concerns me now is that a lot of our children, if we're not careful, are going to grow up as slobs and they're going to grow up without any sense of housekeeping. Because a lot of us have nannies that take care of their rooms. So the children don't know how to make their beds anymore. All right? The only person that some of our children have ever had food from is the chef. So the children don't know how to cook. Guess what we're setting our children up for? It's a disaster, isn't it? Because they, they may go to boarding school and then that's it. And then they say, oh, dad, I want to get married. And guess what? They, have, they, have no, they don't know how to cook nothing. So as a woman, hmm, here it goes. Wait for it. You need to learn how to cook. <laughs> if not for yourself, for your children. Are you with me? You need to teach your girls how to cook. You need to teach your boys how to cook. But especially your girls. Just like I said, the men need to teach their sons how to find their strength. Have you noticed that if there's a big fight, the women sort of go behind the guys, right? There are men to go behind the guys. The problem is when the guys start going behind the women too. No, 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 that's a problem. Now, just because it doesn't feel right does not mean that that's not the way it should be. We need to teach our boys how to find their strength. We need to teach our women how to be feminine. We need to teach our daughters how to cook. My mother taught me how to cook. Yeah, she taught me how to cook. I cooked myself through university. Yeah? There's nothing wrong with a guy cooking. It's good. It can become a fun thing. You and your wife cooking. But it's a problem when your wife doesn't know how to cook at all. <laughs> Alright? We're going to set up where's Tolu- We're gonna set up a life group. It is nothing to be ashamed of. 
It's nothing to be ashamed of. A woman needs to know how to cook. Do it for your daughters. Do it for your sons. You don't want your sons dependent on some girl to be cooking for him all the time. So it's like, okay, I only want to go out if you know how to cook. You know how to cook? I follow you. Is that the kind of boys we want? It's not. Oh man, I'm done. I'm done. I should just quit now. <laughs> yeah? So this is the other side of the coin. Yeah? There is agape, which is self-given and seeks the other person's highest good. But then, then, but God didn't put marriage together just for agape. Do you understand? He put you together so that you can nourish and cherish each other. So that all your joys and your fantasies can be fulfilled in the sphere of marriage. He wants you to nourish that woman. He wants, woman, he wants you to nourish your husband. He wants his sexual fantasies to be fulfilled in the marriage. Oh, we're going to talk about this some other time. Yeah? Because if your husband's sexual desires are not met in marriage, then you're not giving him any ethical alternative. Is there any ethical alternative? Do you say yeah? <laughs> are you with me? There's no ethical alternative, so he's in trouble. All right? So that, you know, the Bible says that, I mean, he should be intoxicated by your love and his, your breast should satisfy him at all times. But the implicit command there is that your breast should be made available. All right? So we're going to talk about sex another day, but not today. But the, if, we, if we treat each other affectionately, we will enjoy the joy that God has destined for us. Well, let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so thankful for the word of God. We're thankful, Lord, because you give us insight. Because you want our lives to be full of joy and peace. Lord, you want your desires for our marriages to be fulfilled. You want our, the wives to treat their husbands right. And nourish and cherish them. You want husbands to protect their wives. And nourish and cherish them. Lord as parents. We ask oh God as we learn these truths. Lord uh, give us the wisdom to train our children. In the way that they should go. So that Lord when they grow up. They will not depart from this way. Help us build the right foundation. For the next generation. Lord we submit to your wisdom. Where we have missed it Lord. We ask you to forgive us. We ask you to forgive us. Lord, show us the way to go that we may glorify you all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, give the Lord.